Well, today I have an assignment to share with you on the subject when God turns it all around or let God turn it all around in your life. And drawing from my own experiences of difficult moments and hardships that I've gone through, I seek to explore with you this morning from the book of Job, Job chapter 42, the last chapter of the book of Job, which has become a place of solace for me to look at from time to time as I go through the different phases of my life. I wish to share with you some of those thoughts that I have found very useful to myself. If you're writing, the book has many, many themes that you can address. But I've chosen this particular one for our benefit today. And I wish to read Job 42, just the first six verses, so that we can pray and delve into the meat of the Word of God and be able to share some useful thoughts this morning. The scripture says in verse 1, Job 42 verse 1, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for this moment of meditating in your word. We thank you that this is the bread of life. We thank you, Father, that you have sent Jesus Christ the word into this world to give us that abundant life. And I pray this morning as we share in the Holy Scriptures that, Lord, we will celebrate the person of Jesus and enjoy the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Open our eyes that we will see wondrous things from your law. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As I said earlier, there are some different themes that you can pick from the book of Job, including perseverance in times of suffering, you can talk about serving God even when you cannot fully understand him. You can pick on the subject of righteousness and suffering and address it from the book of Job. Some people have preached and have had very wonderful sermons about why bad things happen to good people. I think that that is a theme that we can pick from the book of Job. You can talk about where is God in my pain when you look at the book of Job. We can talk about the changing seasons of life as we look at the book of Job. But this morning, as we look at this subject, let God turn it all around. I want to pick it and approach it from an angle of conversations. We have a lot of conversations going on at restaurants. We have conversations going on in our homes. We have conversations right now going on in your minds. Some of you, I can see you're thinking this African man with his interesting accent, will we really understand him? 
And some of you are thinking, wow, his complexion is so dark. <laughs> and, and my Nigerian friend is around here and other, others I can see around there. And, and so I usually tell South Sudanese that uh, they're the only ones who can compete with my dark complexion because I am quite uh, dark on my complexion here today. And so as those conversations are going on in your minds today, I want to bring your attention to the conversations that happen in the book of Job. One of the conversations, and I pick about five of them that happen in the book of Job, one important conversation that happens in the book of Job is between Satan and God. Believe it or not, he has access, he had had access in the, in the, in the presence of God and he had a moment of talking with God. And I want to let you know that God is the one who initiated that conversation between him and the devil, the accuser of the brethren. When he came and appeared among the angels and God saw him, he said, have you tried my servant Job? Have you seen him? Have you seen how he serves me, how faithful he is? God initiated that conversation. And Satan said, you know, this man serves you just because of what you've blessed him with. It is not because of anything. It's the property that you've given to him, the wealth that you've given to him. And on top of giving him wealth, you have given him protection. There's a hedge around him. And so there is no way I can even reach him to disrupt his life. And God says, no way. This man worships me because he loves me and not because of the property that I've given to him. I give you permission. And he gave, them, he gave the devil permission twice to touch the life of Job and the property that he had. And so Job lost everything that he had in terms of wealth. His children died. His health went down. And God initiated that conversation. Now let me tell you another conversation that happened in this book. A conversation between Job and his wife. It was not a very glamorous conversation. And those of you who are married, you will know, sometimes there are difficult moments when you're talking with your wife past midnight and you're solving some issues that are of national importance in that family. And so Job, you know, he was very measured in his words when his wife suggested to her, to him, that you cast God and die. And Job says, you speak like one of the foolish women. It is not a nice conversation. If you borrow those words from Job and speak to your wife tonight like that, you might not have dinner. <laughs> but before we begin to condemn that wonderful lady who says, cast God and die, just remember that when somebody has lost their status, she's married to this millionaire who has everything, provides for her everything that she needed. Now he has nothing to his name. This guy who was respected in the whole city, the whole region, knew his name and respected him. He has nothing. And the woman herself who carried babies in her womb, nine months each, ten children. If you calculate that very well, not very hard mathematics, she was pregnant for 90 months. And at one instance, and you know 90 months, Emily is going to tell you, that it's not a very easy experience. I can't see him right now, but I'm praying for uh, your pastor to become a, a grandfather and mom to become a grandmother. And I pray that may God give you many grandchildren in the name of Jesus. <laughs> many of them. <laughs> so Emily, Emily, receive. And Joel, in your absence, receive. Luke, receive. 
children in Jesus' name. <laughs> because your parents really want to be grandparents. And I'm praying that that baby will be born while I'm still in Canada. <laughs> and then I'm going to give an African name. <laughs> now if a mother has gone through the morning sickness and has gone through the labor ward experience. I tried to go into the labor ward and I saw some men who tried to enter that place. They entered while they were standing and walking, but some of them were removed from there on stretchers <laughs> because it's not an easy experience anyway. <laughs> so if you've gone through that 10 times, and I remember my wife used to tell me in, in the labor ward, massage, massage, and then she would fall asleep quickly. And then she would wake up again and say, massage, massage. And I was so gentle and she would tell me, you're so gentle, massage. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an experience in my life. I tried it once, twice. The third time I made myself a little bit busy. It is not an easy experience. I do not want to repeat it so many times, but I pray that those of you who have got the courage, go forth, go for it in the name of the Lord. Ten children, in one day all of them die. You've got ten caskets, you've got ten bodies, you've got ten graves, you've got ten burials. A woman who's mourning like Mrs. Job, please excuse her. When she does not make theological sense to you and says, cast God and die. People in pain usually do not make sense theologically. And please allow them to mourn. Allow them to grieve. Allow them to express themselves. You don't have to straighten their theology at that point. That conversation did not go on for so long. Job only says, no, I will not do what you're saying because I'm also going through loss. I also lost my property. I also lost my servants. I lost my children in this experience. They needed a counselor. They needed somebody to help them. And that conversation was not easy. Then comes the third conversation in this discourse. You find three men conspiring with... Conspiring is not the right word, but they consulted with one another. They said, we have heard of the story of what happened to our friend Job. Let us go and visit him. Now that is friendship. Well, everybody is walking out on you. Some people walk in into your life. I pray that God will give you those kinds of people who walk in while everybody else is walking out. I remember why we are friends with South Sudan because some years ago when they were going through a hard time and everybody was moving their nationals out of South Sudan in Juba, some two of us from Nairobi, Kenya decided to jump on a plate and go into Juba and identify with the people of Juba and South Sudan in their moments of need. And forever we became friends with South Sudanese like this. I walk in and out of their parliament and I walk in and out of the churches there because we walked in at their hour of need. I pray that God will use you in some of these conversations to walk in into the lives of some people who are in need today. These three friends came and they did what was right. When they saw Job from a distance, they were shocked. They were totally taken by his condition. And the Bible records that for seven days and for seven nights, they kept quiet and sat with him in the ashes and identified with him as he was using pieces of pottery to scrub his body that had boils all over. He was in pain and he needed a friend. When I look at these mothers, and I know there are so many other people in need in this community, somebody needs somebody. Somebody needs to be there present with you. I remember losing my job at one point, 
and looking at my phone for such a long time and wondering, is it still working? Nobody calls. It used to be so busy. When I had the job before the retrenchment came and nobody calls these days, no messages come through. And I began to try the ringertones just to find out whether it's working or not. It was working, but nobody was calling. And those lonely moments and lonely hours were so long and so dark, I needed somebody to be there. Maybe in this neighborhood you need to find somebody who is in that predicament and be there for them and stand with them and identify with them in their need. Job's friends for seven days and for seven nights were with him. They stood with him. But the problem came when they opened their mouths to speak. The psychological therapists who are in this room will tell you Sometimes people do not need your verses. Usually we go to people and we say, oh, all things work together for good. And we begin to preach to them some sermonette and wonderful things from the Bible that you've memorized. They do not need so much of your speech. They need to know that you're there with them. These guys began to speak and they began to purport to have heard from God. They had not heard from God at all. God was not speaking through them. God was not using them. They were, they were not being inspired by the Spirit of God to speak to Job. They spoke what was not right in the name of the Lord. And in the process of speaking, and that's the introduction of this verse 1 in Job chapter 42. In the process of speaking, they hurt him. They pained him. They offended him because they were saying basically, Job, you have sinned. There's something secret about your life that causes you to be in this predicament. It is as a result of sin. And they were dead wrong because Job was a righteous man. They had no privy information of the conversation between Satan and God over the life of Job. It was God trying to prove the devil wrong through the life of Job and they did not know. They spoke and they hurt this man. And so there is Job chapter 42 verse 1 that says, Then Job replied to the Lord. And that's the fourth conversation that I want to raise up today. As I tell you that Job responds to God's questioning from verse 1 to verse 6. I see Job responding to God because he says, There comes a time in my life when I have to block away the brothers and the sisters. And I speak as a pastor, I know how important it is to have small groups and the fellowship. I raise the concern, I raise all these small groups in the churches that I've planted and I've established some of them. I've been part of, part of those kinds of groups and I'm part of them even now. But there comes a time in the life of a believer when you have to speak and do what Job did. Lock out all those friends who are speaking all sorts of things to you and begin to tune in to heaven to listen to what heaven has. Lock out the voices that are speaking all sorts of issues and negative things and all sorts of vibes to you that are not helpful and begin to tune in to the word of God and hear what God says. Thus says the Lord of this hour. Jesus expects the believer to be able to be in a closet alone and away so that you can clearly hear the voice of God. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, it is when you pray, lock yourself in in a closet are the teachings of Jesus. And I want to push this agenda here as an African preacher. It does not only talk about praying, it also talks about fasting. 
When you fast, it is not if you fast. When you fast, smear your head with oil so that it is not obvious to everybody that you're fasting, but you're doing it unto the Lord. I want to let you know, the church in North America, that fasting and prayer produces power and manifestations of the Spirit of God among believers. And I would really want to impress upon you and beseech you, my brothers and sisters, spend time in fasting, spend time in prayer. God has blessed you so much in this part of the world. You have plenty to eat, but there comes a time when you've got to say no to food. And say, I've got to seek God in prayer and in fasting. Is it too difficult? I can tell you the church that I come from in Nairobi, Kenya. Sometimes we go 40 days at the beginning of the year. This year we've done 40 days of fasting and prayer. And we're called upon again to do another 21 days and another 10 days. And we begin to see the manifestations of power in our lives. I have seen all sorts of manifestations, healing miracles, casting out of demons, prophetic words, and what gifts of the Spirit manifesting themselves in the context of prayer and fasting. And I've come to somewhat call you to the place where Job was. When he says he responded back to God and spoke to God, it was an exclusive encounter between him and God. I've come to call you to the place of prayer. I've come to, the, to call you to the place of fasting and seeking God like you've never sought him before. If I have not died and I've remained this way, yes, I am 1GB. I usually call myself 1GB. You will not die if you go without a meal a day. You will not die if you go be three days without a meal. <laughs> God is going to sustain you and he's going to take you deeper still. He's calling you closer in prayer, closer in fasting, closer in communion with him. Job replied to the Lord and he began to see God in a different dimension like he had never seen him before. That verse 1, when I look at it, it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. There is an invitation from the almighty God to humanity and the nation of Israel and to you and myself. He says, come, let us reason together. And says, even though your sins are as red as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. And I'm looking forward to visiting Canada when you have snow. Because we don't have a lot of it except from Mount Kilimanjaro. And Mount Kenya, we see it from a distance just a little bit. I want to see more of it and not the one that is induced and produced by those machines on those slopes up there that I went to the Blue Mountains yesterday. <laughs> I want to see the real one because the scripture says, as white as snow. <laughs> that means that even if the problem is that thick and that difficult and that heavy, with reasoning with God and coming into his presence, he can turn the situation all around and become exactly the opposite of what it is today. God is able to turn situations around. And so Job discovered this, that the infinite God caused the, infinite human, the finite human being to come and have a conversation with him with his little mind, such a huge invitation for us to come and reason together with the Lord. He gives us that opportunity to be together with him in a place where we can talk back to him. And sometimes, because my background is in psychology, I sometimes have put an empty chair in front of me and I'm taking another chair and sat on it and say, Lord, according to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, it says I should come and reason with you 
please take a seat because I also want to have a conversation with you concerning such and such a thing. And I've had those conversations with the Lord. They are life-changing. I don't see him with my eyes, but I know that he's listening to me. When he's on that chair and I'm on this other chair, and the Lord listens and he answers in mysterious ways when we pray like that. I invite you to the place of prayer. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, says to us, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. When I look at these scriptures, I find that in verse, verse 3, the scripture says, You asked. And in verse 4, the scripture says, you said. Job is telling us in the place of prayer, God spoke more than I spoke. He is the one who was addressing me and I was doing most of the listening all the time. And so God asked, Job tried to answer, and then Job replied and God spoke to him some more. I want to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that prayer does not change God's. Prayer changes the person who prays. The more you pray, the more you'll be changed by the Lord himself. The impact of this prayer that Job prayed, in verse, verse 5 he says, My ears had heard about you, but now my eyes see you. Because I came to the place of intimate prayer and seeking you, I stopped listening to the people out there and the voices that are out there. I responded to you in questioning and you changed my life. It became not only a theory, it is practical knowledge that I have a touch and a knowledge of God like I've never known him before. I desire to know God in this way. Verse 6, very interesting to me. A verse that really fascinated me. It says, therefore... I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. This scripture does, actually reveals to us that Job was so broken before God. And he began to bring repentance. Remember previously they were telling him he has sinned and he says I have not sinned. But when he came closer to the light of the glory of God and the presence of God, he began to see probably his wrong motives, his wrong attitudes, and the things that were not right before God in his life. And nobody could tell him other than the Lord convicting him himself. And so he says, I repent in dust and in ashes. We heard that he's a man who eschewed evil. He was righteous. He was blameless. He was upright. But in this verse, he's repenting. And in dust and in ashes, God must have broken his pride. The Holy Spirit must have changed his perspective. His attitude must have changed completely as he came close to the presence of God. And brothers and sisters, there are things that we will never know until we come that close in proximity and in fellowship with our maker. We need to come closer and press in and continue to come closer to the Holy Spirit. He will change our lives. And so prayer changes. Prayer changes our perspective. Prayer changes our attitude. When you read verse 7 and verse, to verse 9, you find that the scripture says, After the Lord had said this thing to Job, he said to Elphaz the Timnite, I, Timnite, I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. As I read these two more verses, I want you to notice two things. 
God is rebuking Eliphaz and his company of friends. There's just one guy who is not mentioned here. I think his name is Elihu. Or in your Canadian style, you call him Elihu. In my Kenyan language, I call him Elihu. He is not mentioned here. But God rebukes Elphaz and his two friends. And I want you to notice that God also boasts about Job by calling him my servant. So many times he calls him my servant. Just listen to verse 8. He says, so now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. I noted that besides God rebuking our enemies and fighting our battles, he also has a testimony concerning us. He knows that Job is his servant and he wants the world to know that this is my servant. I am proud of him. And I speak on his behalf. Let me make this statement. As David says, The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What that means to me is that God is able to fight for me and I may not need to raise a finger to defend myself in times of accusations and persecution and attacks from people who are evil. From people who have got evil intentions against me. I will let God have the vengeance. Revenge belongs to him and not me. I will let him deal with the people who are estranged to me and the people who come up against me. It is not in our place to revenge and to return hatred for hatred. Our secret of power and strength is in the place of prayer and submission to the Lord our God. And when we do, God begins to raise an army of angels. And he begins to raise a case against the adversary and begins to speak on our behalf. But if you decide you want to do it yourself, then God is going to sit back and watch how far you can go to defend yourself and be able to overcome the enemies and the challenges that you have. I believe that God wants to speak on our behalf and fight our battles and affirm us in the process and be able to cause us to stand in the middle of all the storms that come across our lives. Job, my servant. Job, God fought for him. He is able to fight for you. The Bible says that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper and every tongue that rises against us in judgment we shall condemn it because God is going to give us that vindication and our righteousness is a heritage from him. So I say to the church today that let God fight for you. Don't go out and revenge. Don't go out and hit out at other people and show them what you are made of and give them a piece of your mind. Go in the place of prayer and submission and crying out to the Lord. In this case, in these uh, few verses from verse 7 to verse 9, Job did not say anything. God was speaking to him. And he spoke to these guys and this time they heard clearly and correctly from God. Before when they are saying that says the Lord, they had not heard anything from God. But this time God was speaking to them and telling them that this time go and sacrifice an offering to Job. He will accept you and he will pray for you. Before these minutes are over, I want to 
bring a challenge from this thought that God spoke to these three guys and commanded them to bring an offering of seven bulls and seven rams and says to them, I will not even listen to your prayer. I want you to, the, to go to the man that you despised. I want, you to, I want you to go to the man that you thought was wicked. I want you to go to the person that you attacked and go with an offering. Do not go empty-handed. Come before him with an offering and humble yourself and beg him for mercy. Fall at his knees. He will pray for you. I will not listen to your prayer. I will listen to his prayer. And you know what? The humility that I saw in these guys is that they went exactly as God instructed them to go to the house of Job. So they show up one day, their heads cast down, and walking like that, and feeling that their heads are so empty and so ashamed after all that they had said, and say, you know what, Job, this is a sacrifice. I think Job was a priest. Job, this is the sacrifice. Please pray for us. Forgive us for all those purported revelations that we had and the prophecies and word of knowledge and the dreams and the visions that we spoke. Please pray for us. God is able to turn around people in that magnitude. The other thing that I saw in that scripture was Job accepted to pray for them. Job received them in their homes. I know when you're still feeling angry and God has not dealt with you concerning people who have hurt you, you do, you do not want to see them show up at your door. You don't want to meet them on the road. You do not want to see them at all in your life. You have no grace and time for them. But God had dealt with Job and softened his heart and broken him down. He was able to look at his enemies and the people who hurt him and be able to say, I forgive you. The agenda that I have to push with this second point of a strong rebuke for Elihu and the affirmation of Job is to ask you, church, to forgive those that have hurt you. Maybe there are people you need to have a conversation with over a cup of tea. There are people who you're so closely related with and they spoke things over your life that were not very helpful. Maybe it's time for you to go and have a conversation with them and both the friends of Job asking for forgiveness and Job on the other side offering forgiveness. This is both humility on both their parts. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt in a congregation such as this one, there are people that you have hurt. You need to go and say, sorry, please forgive me. There are people who have hurt you. You need to go and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and be able to mend that relationship. In 1994, there was a missionary in Nairobi who really hurt me so bad. And we entered into confrontation with him. And we were leading a church together. And so the church was divided into two. Some faction of people following him and supporting him. And others who believed in me and they believed I was right. And I had a huge team of people really believing in what I was saying. And I'm a younger person and this is an older person. And so we had this confrontation with him for a long time. And I'm telling you, I was a bitter young man. I really seethed with anger and bitterness towards this elderly missionary who came from New Zealand. Nothing against New Zealand, but this particular person, his personality just was not 
we were just not resonating with him. I was not resonating with him. And confrontation after confrontation, time after time, it was crazy, terrible. And the church knew about it. And the bitterness was so bad. Thank God for an elderly Kenyan woman who pulled me aside and opened the scriptures and was showing me the dangers of bitterness. And she picked the story of Joseph in the scriptures and began to show me that Joseph forgave his brothers and began to tell me, Edward, you have to forgive. You cannot live in bitterness like this. So I locked myself for three hours in a room and prayed, God, give me grace to forgive this man. And I could not forgive him. And so I went overnight in a church and, 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 and zoomed in in God and began to pray and cry, God, give me the grace to forgive this man. When I was ready, I went to him. And the two of us had a conversation. And that conversation, God was in it because I apologized to him. I said, you know, I have confronted you. Even if I think I am right, there's something wrong about the confrontation. I said, you are the age of my father. And it is wrong for a young boy like myself to come and conf confront an elderly man like this. And I fell at his knees and I asked him to forgive me. He forgave me. And not only forgave me, he asked me to forgive him. And the two of us had a prayer. It was a healing moment for me in that room, the two of us. And I said to him, it is not enough. We have confused the believers in the church. And so let's bring this repentance in front of the church on Sunday. And we stood at the front on, at the front on Sunday and brought forgiveness and reconciliation to each other. It spread through the church and we hugged one another. It was a blessing to see. And he called me his son. He continued to nurture me in God and in the things of God. And I can tell you, 94 went by. 1995, God opened a door that I have, it has never closed to this day. Mass media in Nairobi, Kenya opened its door for me. My training is not in the mass media, it's elsewhere. But since 1995 to date, I am on radio. And I do not pay radio stations to have me on radio. They actually pay me to be on radio. So it's the opposite. I do not buy airtime. They pay me to be on their radio stations and I can trace that opening door to when there was a reconciliation between me and this man. I do not know what you're locking out from your life. But reconciliation is going to unlock so many things in your life. Some of it is your health that is going to be unlocked as you forgive and release people from your heart. Others, probably it's a job you've been seeking for and aiming at. God is able to open that door. Relationships. Others want to get married. You've not been married for a long time. Why can't you forgive those who have hurt you in the past? Look at verse 10 as we close this. Verse 10 says this. After Job had prayed for his friends, not before. After he had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as what he had before. As long as he was holding on to the bitterness and the anger and unforgiveness, something was locked. By the moment he prayed for them and released them, something was unlocked in his life. And he had twice as much as what he had before. We need to release these blessings and allow God to turn around our situation so that our health is restored, our relationships is restored. Verse 11 surprises me. It says, all his brothers and all his sisters, I never knew he had some, 
They came to him and everyone who knew him before, they came to him and ate with him and they comforted him because he was still hurting over all the loss that he had gone through. The Lord had allowed him to go through so much trouble. God allowed him to go through this and restored all everything that he had. Relationships were restored. Family close members came back to him. Relationships were restored. Everybody who walked out on him came back to him. God gave him a beautiful family. This service will not end before I come back to Pastor Todd and say one of the joys I was told some years back that when we have our own children, it's responsibility. But when you have grandchildren, it's a pleasure. And Job, I see, I, I can hear some grandparents laughing around here, <laughs> agreeing with what I'm saying. You're, you're about to walk into that in Jesus' name. Now, this joy, the pleasure that I'm talking about that Pastor Todd is going to receive in a short while, this Job had it for four generations. His first children died. He had other ten children. I do not know whether by the same wife. The Bible does not say if it was the same wife, then she had 20 children. I do not know. Please do not ask me that question. You put my ministry on the line. <laughs> no. But these kids had children, and four generations Job saw them. And the girls particularly were so beautiful. I usually read the story that there was, these girls were so beautiful in the whole country. And I say, I wish Job was my father-in-law. <laughs> I pray that God will give to you, Pastor, the joy of seeing your children's children to the fourth generation. And this was the pleasure that Job had. But it all comes for all of you. This joy, this pleasure, this restoration, this favor, this leadership, this honor that Job received and the wealth that he received later on comes as a result of unlocking by forgiving. You need to forgive some people. I sense you need to reconcile with some people. You need to make a relationship right somewhere and allow God to turn around your situation. In a short while, I'll be praying, but this is about conversation. The last conversation was that God, through the life of Job, proved the devil wrong. Job was not worshipping God because of what he had. Job was worshipping God for who God is. So he says God has taken away. He first gave and he has taken away. And he still says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Some of what, some of what Paul the Apostle will say that I know both how to abound and how to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether I'm in need, I will serve the Lord. Whether I have plenty, I will serve the Lord. Whether I am naked, I will serve the Lord. Whether I am so well clothed, I will serve the Lord. Hungry, I will serve the Lord. And fool, I will serve the Lord. Things will not make me not serve God. These are blessings that God has given to us. And I will serve the Lord anyway in the name of the Lord. May this be your de de determination as you have conversations of reconciliation with people, reconciliation with God, as you get reconciled and forgive and be forgiven and seek, come humbly to, to us some people and say, I need you to forgive me. Turn the page of your life and say, I want to begin afresh my relationships with God and with people. Let a new chapter, new leaf turn in your life. And for sure, 
I'm saying deliberately, let God turn the pages of your life and make them beautiful again. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. That you've called us to a life of peace. And I pray that Lord you give to us tremendous peace in these days. As we seek to be reconciled to you. As we seek to be reconciled to one another. The enemy has blinded has blinded us sometimes to see the great opportunity that there is before us and has caused us to feel the need to revenge. We pray that, Lord, you open our eyes to see the need to forgive, the need to release people in forgiveness. I thank you today, Lord God, as your word percolates in our spirit that you'll help us to release those that we hold in bitterness and anger. That the enemy shall be ashamed and Jesus shall be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless.